Welcome to Less Than or Equal on Relay FM, the podcast about pursuing <laughs> equality in geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and the person you can hear laughing is today's <laughs> guest, Jessica Dennis. Jessica, welcome to the show. Hi. This Hi. is actually my second time, but I'm all by myself. So hopefully you all can stand me without Anna around. I don't know. I think I think we can do it. I think we'll see we can. how it goes. I know way fewer people subscribe to my solo podcast than to Unconsolable. My solo podcast, incidentally, is called Totally Uncool. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm so good at promoting it too. You just slipped and, it in. It was really it was good. It was good. Yeah. Um and if I it's funny, um I named it that just because when the new TLDs became publicly available, um, I really wanted a dot cool one because I thought that would be hilarious. And un.cool wasn't available either because it had to be three characters or more or somebody already had it. But totally un.cool was. So I was like, that's my podcast name. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, um, I'm actually procrastinating on ep- um, on editing an episode right now. Uh, I had my dad on, which was kind of hilarious. But he has totally uncool is like about funny stories from my stupid life. So, and recently some other um, people's stories, too, because I started running out. So you can hear um, Yasmin Evian, who you may also have heard on well on this podcast, but also on Material, her own podcast on Relay.fm um, and a couple other people. But yeah, so that's the thing. Um, <laughs> I need to do that. But this is more fun. Um, so for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm just going to take over. Like, yeah, too. <laughs> yes, I'll just sit back. Yeah. Drink like, some coffee. Oh, coffee. Right. Because it's noon. Although it's whatever. It's, it's Christmas one. Eve. Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, it's one. Oh, because Arizona's weird. Arizona doesn't change time. So. Right. Um, so yeah, so Jessica and I talk, um, in Slack and I think you're used to me being like, I'm on Pacific time. And now it's like, no, actually, no, I'm actually in mountain time because we don't change time. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I I don't know. It's just weird. Also, I think possibly in my head, you live in California, even though that doesn't make sense. And I know you live in Arizona, but whatever. I used to live close together. Totally. We drove through it on the way to Atlanta. Um, <laughs> so I'm a software developer. I'm a front end dev, um, which is different. I used to be more of like just a making informational websites kind of person, but now I'm actually working on a, uh, on, on an application, which is different and challenging because before they hired, um, me and another front end dev, basically the front end was done by the back end guys. And oh yeah, they, yeah, that yeah. was a thing. <laughs> So how long have you been a front end developer? Uh, Well, (laughs) it depends how you define front end developer. I've been working um, in like web stuff on website things since about uh, like 2007, I think. I get it mixed up uh, because I used to fix computers and then my boss at the time at UC Riverside, yeah, um, was like, so do you know like HTML and stuff? And I'm like, yes, which was mostly true at the time (laughs) in that I had done some HTML and I had done a little bit of PHP because I had a WordPress website. Well, I had a couple of different WordPress websites by then and I had done some work like, you know, making little modifications here and there, stuff in the sidebar, whatever. Um, So I was like, kind of sort of qualified enough but 
<laughs> so I applied and I got the job and then I started learning how to be a nice. Yeah. But I had I was lucky to have really, really wonderful mentors. In fact, one of them you can hear on my podcast, totally uncool. Um <laughs> at totally uncool or asn.fm slash uncool. Yeah. Um <laughs> my friend Bob, um, his episode is hilarious. It's called Violence Training, because he's he's just like such a character and 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 he was super nice to me and he taught me a lot of everything that I know. And the most important thing that I learned, and this applies to like pretty much any IT field is you have to learn how to learn what you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. cause nobody knows, nobody knows what they're doing. Um, like uh, two people do, but the rest of us just figure things out as we go along. So that's, you know, that's the thing that kind of infuriates me. And it's something that I wish more like women who want to go into tech were aware of is that the dudes who are in tech already, they, they're not special. There's nothing magical about them. They will do, they did the exact same thing that you're about to do, which is figure it out as you go along, ask people questions, post on Stack Exchange, Google for the answers. Mm -hmm. That's like working in IT in a Mm -hmm. nutshell. It's like learning how to Google. So if you're pretty good at Googling, you have an excellent foundation for for joining um, the IT world. I was actually going to bring that up because studies show that women, women tend to apply for jobs they're qualified for, whereas men tend to go for whatever they think they can reasonably or (laughs) <laughs> maybe not even reasonably right. um, with what they're like. Oh, yeah, I think I can maybe figure this out, I think. And and so they tend to apply. And that's part of the reason why we see fewer, fewer women in tech and fewer applicants um, from or applications from women in technical fields is because, and I, I was standing here thinking as you were talking, because I'm one of those people who um, I, I, I fit that stereotype. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, Oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. So <laughs> I can't blah, blah, blah. Like I need to take the course on this thing before I can actually start doing it. And I know that's untrue, but that's not what my brain is. Um, like that's not the system it's falling into. <laughs> yeah. Although I do wonder whether women would be able, cause the dudes get those jobs because they're able to like fake it in a way that hiring managers who are also usually dudes can like that they accept. And Mm. I sort of wonder, like, so if you ask a dude a question and he like blusters through it and he doesn't know what he's talking about, but he seems smart. Like, I wonder if it would work the same way for a woman who didn't really know. Like, I just I would strongly suspect and this is totally depressing. (laughs) so I shouldn't, But I kind of suspect that it wouldn't work that way for a female candidate. Like one of the advantages that women have is that for the hiring managers who have kind of figured stuff out, women generally, when they say that they can do a thing, they really can. Mm -hmm. And men, it's like 50, 50. And so I wonder, I don't know, I, I guess I could perform this experiment, (laughs) like start applying for stuff that I'm like, maybe 70% qualified for instead Mm -hmm. of like 80 or 90% and see what happens. Um, I, although I sort of almost did that in my current job, I, it's weird. Like the, the job description didn't prepare me for what I would ultimately be doing, which is fine. I learned a lot of things, but I was like, it was like, you know, blah, 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 bootstrap. And I'm like, oh my God, I know bootstrap really well. I do it like the back of my hand. And I've done like some with that now, but it was at first it was like, no, I, that's not what you're doing at all. You're going to do oh. this other 
I was like, well, okay. And somebody was like, do you know XML? I'm like, well, I mean, I guess. Like, what do you be, what does it mean to know XML? Right. Like, I know how XML structures work. I know what an XML tag looks like. I know what an attribute is. Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> So that's interesting. And that's been uh, kind of my experience working in tech, too, is that that my employers um, have kind of had a vague notion of what they wanted me to do, (laughs) but they didn't really know what they wanted me to do. Or like with my my last job, I kind of made my own role. Like I was hired to write policies and procedures and and that kind of thing for the IT department. And I ended up just kind of like taking on an IT coordinator role and just like telling everyone in the department what to do because, you know, that's what needed to be done. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like, um, you know, because the director was well, it was my husband, so I can't say anything bad, but like he was, he, he was maybe his strong suit. <laughs> well, no, but he was in meetings all the time. Ah. And so, so because we didn't have like a C-suite, um, on, in the IT department, we didn't have a CTO or a CIO. Um, so it was just basically Justin in the director's position. And so he was the one going to all the meetings and talking to potential clients and, and doing all that stuff. And so there was all of this other, like all of the day-to-day management stuff didn't actually mm. get taken care of. Oh, and there's a huge systems rewrite happening and Oh, and so like, so like I ended up being Windows support and I don't use Windows and yeah. like IT coordination and like, you know, making sure the tickets got taken care of and equipment got ordered and training trainings got done. And um, yeah, so I think that that's kind of a thing with with going into tech is like. I don't know if you're going with a smaller company, um, maybe the larger ones. I've never worked for a huge tech company, so maybe they have it figured out a little bit more. But it's just kind of like, yeah, we think this is what you're going to do. But like you get in there and you're like, yeah, that's not actually what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, it's always worked that way for me, too. Like I started interfering in things (laughs) like I was I was the website guy. So I would be pulled into meetings toward the end of the development of an application when they're like, okay, so we're going to need a website for this. And then I, you know, I was sitting there and I was like, wait a minute, what about and I started asking questions and then they started including me earlier in the process. (laughs) So I was sort of kind of working my way into something slightly different at UCR. But then we had to leave. Um, I'm an academic spouse, so I've moved all around the country. Well, I haven't really, but every place I've moved has been really far from every other place. Um, So, yeah, but it's definitely true in tech that probably the best thing that you can do is be prepared to fill any role that you see that needs filling, like speak up always, Mm -hmm. uh, not just because it's better for the company, but because it's better for you, you'll find your life more interesting and you'll get more respect. And that's, it's really important as a female, uh, it person to, to get that kind of respect because people are like eager to see not not all men, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of people are eager to see you as less than or as, you know, a, a, an imposter. Like, mm-hmm. I think part of imposter syndrome is doesn't come from, you know, internally. It comes from external forces, because when everybody's willing to believe that you don't know what you're talking about, like, it's super easy to internalize that. It is. Yeah. So something I sh- I struggle with currently is I don't I kind of like s- 
stay in my lane. And I don't think I should do that as much as I do. Um, I think I need to do more. No, especially since I know where you work and I want your product to get better and better. Well, and so, so, um, you know, I, I do things like, um, I kind of insisted that I get included in meetings, um, on an ongoing basis instead of like at the end when documentation needs to be written. And it was like, Oh, I have no idea what's happened. And now I need to write all this documentation. So now like, you know, I participate in meetings and that kind of thing. But, but yeah, I think that tendency to, um, especially going from, because I was, it was a small company, but we, it was a structured company and there was, there was a corporate structure and, you know, the place I I work currently is, it's not a flat organization, but there is very little in terms of like management structure. And so it's just kind of like a free for all. Like if you see that it needs (laughs) to get done, you grab it and you take it and you love it and nurture it and, you know, and grow it into whatever. And, um, and that's something I need to improve upon. That's like, (laughs) that's one of my goals for 2016 is to, um, to get my hands in more pies and um, and, and start doing more. And also, um, I've been, I keep saying on the show that, uh, (laughs) objective C and Swift, I'm learning objective C and Swift. And I haven't actually been doing that because, um, I've got a chronic thing that hasn't allowed me to like actually sit down and learn that. Um, but that's also still a goal for next year, but that's, I don't know. Is that a hard thing for you? You're, I think that you're more outspoken and opinionated than I am. And so I see that as being something that's easier for you to do, but is that a struggle for you? That is a skill that I have developed. Okay. Um, Tell me, give me, share your secrets. Um, I don't know. It's probably being a crank, like realizing, cause I mean, when I first started out, I was perfectly willing to believe that everybody else knew more than me and I should just keep my big, stupid mouth shut. And, but I don't know, maybe I was just in a bad mood someday. And I started being like, well, okay, but what about blah? And I started like being, you know, just asking questions. Like, like I forgot, it's like, I forgot that everybody else knew better than me. And I just started asking questions and it turned out that actually I did know like some stuff about (laughs) things. Right. And, and then people started listening when I was like, okay, but what about this? Or why don't you do that? And then people would be like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. And then I realized that I generally had something to say that was worth saying. And I started saying it. Um, so be a angry, cranky person, I guess it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Stop internalizing my cranky. Right. Or start internalizing your crankiness. I don't know. Embrace your inner Embrace curmudgeon. Um, and realize just, you know, just realize that everybody else is stupid, too. It's true. It really is. Nobody knows anything. It's fine. <laughs> We're all just figuring it out. We are all just figuring it out. And that's I don't know. I think that's the cool thing about uh, careers in tech is that. Um, you know, I don't think that we're moving at the fast clip, you know, of the nineties and early two thousands. Um, but things are still constantly evolving and especially in like programming type roles where, um, you know, languages change incrementally over time and, and, uh, new ways are, of, are, of doing things are found. I think that that's really, really cool. And as someone who likes to learn, it's both daunting because I will never know everything. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, nobody else will either. So that's fine. Right. And that, and that's the cool thing is like, we're all always learning. 
And that's pretty amazing. Yeah. If once you stop learning, you might as well quit because you're not useful anymore. I mean, especially with something like like Swift is brand new, which is, well, it's like, what, a year or two old? It's brand new in programming years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, it's a baby. So anybody and it, I, so it helps to have like some kind of foundation in computer science, which luckily I do have because I took some CS, but I actually mean to learn Swift um, once I'm probably once I'm done with grad school, because that is like, um, that's a massive time suck, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm getting my master's in computer information systems. I'll be done in May. Yay. Yes. Then, yeah. Then I'll start maybe doing some stuff. Um, I mean, the hardest thing for me to learn a new language or something like that is that I don't necessarily have anything that I want to create with it. So I could probably go through the tutorials and then I won't like have any ideas for what to do and I'll forget it in three months. So somebody will have to start feeding me ideas or something. I'll be like, oh, yeah, cool. I can totally do that. I have a notebook full of ideas. Oh, sweet. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, Well, it's interesting you say that because that's how um, that's how I think most people who self initiate learning languages, I think that's how they succeed. That's Mm. what I've witnessed anyway. Like that's how my husband learned Objective-C is because he was like, I have an app. I want to write it. I'm learning this. Right. Um, my best friend um, homeschools her two kids and they were having trouble um, reading music. Um, and so she she was like, OK, I, I have an idea for an app that will help my kids learn how to read music. And so she wrote it. And I mean, it's it's so cool. You know? Right. That's awesome. So um, school. Do you want to talk about school? <laughs> Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, I don't know. I, so I graduated from college in 2004 and I was like, sweet, I never have to do homework ever again. And that was great for like a decade, but I, I have an English degree. So I, it started feeling like, especially with like, um, uh, sort of computerized, uh, recruitment systems where if you don't have certain keywords, you're mm. automatically excluded. It seemed like I was probably going to hit a wall pretty soon with how far I could go with my English degree, even though I totally knew like everything else, like just the fact that so many, um, you know, postings would be like, and you need to have a degree in engineering or computer science or whatever. And I was like, well, I don't, but trust me, I'm really good. I have all this experience and whatever, but uh, I thought I was probably, that was probably going to start becoming a limitation. So I, uh, researched online programs because my physical location was pretty uncertain again with the academic spouse thing and uh, Boston University had the second best program in the nation at the time we've since slipped third and so I applied for it and I got in and then I started doing some stuff Um, and that's it's been interesting Um, my concentration is database management and business intelligence and I was sort of hoping that it was there was going to be more like business intelligence stuff (laughs) but it's been not really so much of that more um, more sequel and less oh analysis God. or kind of um but also just a lot of the foundation courses were super like businessy which i kind of expected because it is computer information systems and not computer science but i was like this is all nonsense this, but it actually isn't and <laughs> it's kind of 
like now I kind of want to do things in Visio sometimes. I'm like, well, I just I just need to chart this out in Visio. I just <laughs> I know, but I don't actually have Visio at work. So and it's it's so weird being outside of public higher ed because in public higher ed, you can just get whatever Microsoft makes for free. But at my company, it's like, no, it would cost like, I don't know, 300 bucks it's to expensive. license me. I know. I'm like, yeah. whoa, it's weird. Um, cause I'm in the public sector for the first time now. Like I've never worked the days between Christmas and new year's in my life. And I'm going to this year. It's awful. Ugh, I know I was, I was contemplating that the other day. It's like I grew up having like a month off from school this time of year. And now I have to work. And even though I'm in my early 30s and have not been in school, well, I guess it hasn't been. It, I graduated from college in 2007. But like, you know, what kind of expectations? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going 18 plus years not working for like the month of December. And now that's no longer the case. It's kind of a bummer, which is what was great about being in higher ed was that we got that entire like two weeks off and sometimes more if it snowed in Atlanta, because it, when it snows in Atlanta, they shut the whole thing down. Yeah. Yeah. I was there for the snow apocalypse a couple of years back. I didn't go to work. I worked from home that day because unlike the governor and the mayor of Atlanta, I have access to weather reports. So I knew it was going to snow and I stayed home, but my husband didn't. He was super lucky that it only took him an hour and a half to get home um, when it would normally take 20 minutes. But uh, now wow. I live in Schenectady, New York. Yeah. Which, but it's warm this winter so far. I know. I'm not complaining. I mean, whatever. Inevitable doom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, all this rain we beginning should have been snow, but that's OK. I don't mind. It's like it's like 70 degrees today. It's super weird. And, you know, I'm in the desert and it's uh, 65 today. You know, <laughs> it's just weird to me. Um, one of my best friends uh, lives in New Jersey and he's like, it's in the 70s. And I'm like, how is it yeah. in the 70s there? And it's 50 degrees in Phoenix. That it's People are turning on their air conditioning in New Jersey because it's so humid. Yeah. It's been it's kind of. Yeah. But it's okay. I don't mind. I don't want snow. <laughs> it's supposed to snow next week, and that's going to be. I'm not going to like it. It's going to be a jolt. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never driven in snow in my life. So, oh, yeah. My parents did that when I was a kid, not me. Yeah, I I grew up in Colorado's, and my birthday's in November, so I learned how to drive in the snow. Ugh. Um, I took my driving test. I guess it was raining the day I took my driving test. It wasn't snowing, but um. But I, I have stories of sliding off, like going around curves and sliding off the road because it was just, oh God. Um, and I don't want that to happen. And like, and we were poor, we couldn't afford snow tires. So, oh. and like sliding through stop signs. Fortunately, mm. I lived in a really small town, so like there was never any traffic, but it's yeah. just like sliding through stop signs. But, you know, you it, <laughs> it, it's, it's not awful. It's really, really not. Once once you learn how to do it, once you get comfortable, you know, you just just like anything else, you just stay aware and, and you'll be OK. Yeah, I'm still filled with dread, though. <laughs> There's no way to unfill me with dread about that. We'll see. I you know, you'll get through it just like anything else. Right. That's that's the other thing. Just I it's funny. That's another sort of thing about tech, probably about life, too, is that 
doing a thing is almost never as bad as the time if you're an anxious sort like I am uh-huh. as the <laughs> anticipation. Yeah. The dread is just like so much more. It's like, like sometimes I have to do some really boring, repetitive or difficult thing. And I'm like, I, I procrastinate, like I put it off and I dread it. And I, I just have to tell myself that I just need to just do it because it's going to take me longer to sit and dread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's not that bad once you start doing it, like everything. And it's so easy for things to seem super daunting. Um, so just, just start doing them <laughs> and you'll get over it. Yeah. I, I, that's another thing that I struggle with is, is that procrastination and that, that like, Oh, I don't want to do this. I don't know how to get started. Um, and procrastination is my coping mechanism if I'm at all uncertain. Um, oh, yeah. so like, I'm not quite sure how to approach this. And it's like, yeah, if you just sit here staring at the screen, you're never going to figure it out either. And I right. still do it. I still yeah. do it. It's really hard. It's a really hard habit to break. And there is this really good series of articles um, that I'll have to dig up again about the uh, the procrastination monkey and the the rational navigator or something like that. And the the procrastination monkey sort of takes over and steers and is steering the ship. And it's really bad. And it was it rang so true to my experience. People need to read it, though, because I'm summarizing it badly. Um it sounds like something I definitely need to read. <laughs> yeah, it's the, oh, it's the instant gratification monkey takes over and the rational pilot is like unable to cope with that. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's so me. <laughs> I, I need to resist the instant gratification monkey. And because um, then because then, you know, when you actually get to where your deadline is, then the the panic monster takes over mm-hmm. and, and you feel like you you achieve like these huge feats in a limited amount of time. But you you got to know that you're not really doing your best work. Like it, it could have been better if you had actually just started doing it like a rational human being instead of dreading it and playing. You must build a boat if mm-hmm. you're me. Uh, that's my game, too. Oh One my of them. God. I'm on ace level 11 right now. <laughs> So I got um, I got a new phone um, when the the new iPhones came out in the fall and uh, I didn't transfer my data. I just started fresh. Mm -hmm. And so I realized when they updated it, you must build about a couple weeks ago that I actually have to start over again because I don't have my saved data. Oh, Um, no. Well, that's that's okay though. It's not. Yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world at all. It'll be easy. Because I was in the middle of a run after building, I was at ACE level nine at the time. So one of the updates, and we talked about this um, on a couple episodes of Unconsolable, but one of the updates was now that you're ACE level, meaning the number of times you'd completed building a boat, now really affected how hard it was instead of like, well, it, it kind of did, but not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it got like dramatically harder and we tweeted about it and the developer of the game was like, <laughs> bloody hell how was how was that it was like it was hard but it's okay <laughs> it wasn't like overwhelming but it, it was definitely perceptible but it was so cute he was like I don't know I guess not that many people had been in the middle I don't know how many people have played the game as much as I have like it's kind of my jam and it's how I get through stressful situations like when we were moving it was horrible it was yeah, I mean, moving is I hate moving. I do, too. More than like and I've moved 
so much for me in the last few years, just like from California to Atlanta, from Atlanta to here, which is only two moves, but they were really stressful moves. They're they're big moves too. It's not, you know, a couple hundred miles. It's yeah. And we have so much stuff and the three cats and yeah, it's hate it. So I played a lot of you must build a boat like anytime I was taking a break from moving stuff well, for me, it's um, I, I play a lot of Splatoon. I think Splatoon is probably my my version of You Must Build a Boat, which is kind of what I play when um, like I'm out and about, um, especially now that I'm like, oh, yeah, there are more there. There's more to do after this, um, because, after you know, eventually it was just like, oh, yeah, you're just kind of matching threes and there's not a goal or anything. Um but so if you must build a boat, that's that's what 10 million didn't do for me. And you must yeah. did. Yeah. So. um, So but like with Splatoon, because I work from home, so it's like whatever. So if I'm working on a problem in my head or whatever, I can go play like two or three rounds of Splatoon and it takes, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And it allows me to like it's something I can play without really, really focusing on it, right. which is how match threes are for me. And um, I can kind of noodle around the program or the problem without it being in the front of my mind. And then it's like, oh, yeah, here's the solution. Right. So it kind of it, it it's kind of soothing like that because you can you can play it without like focusing all of your energy on it. Totally. Yeah. And I I don't know, I feel like that's a really important thing to have and I'm so glad that I sort of discovered mobile gaming because I was one of those people who didn't really play video games as a kid, um, mostly because my brother kind of wouldn't let me at the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo and the PlayStation and the Uh, I think we were still on PlayStation when we went to college Um, and then it was a moot point. But then I got my first, you know, smartphone and well, my first smartphone was not really. I don't think I had any games on it because it was an HP iPad. (laughs) It was like Windows. uh, No, it was Pocket PC 2003. Mm -hmm. Um, So I learned a little bit of uh, how to modify the home screen on those. Like that was my first practical XML editing experience was making a new, a modified home screen for my phone. Cause I'm a nerd. You are. I like it. <laughs> um, but then when I got, uh, I think it was my first Android phone that I, which ugh, it was in 2010 and it was a different time. It was for, a long, long was, ago, but it still like soured me on the platform and uh, forever, basically. And I was talking about it with Yasmin and Russell from Material because we had them on our um, podcast on Unconsolable to talk about Android gaming. And they were like, there was no Android before like 2012 or something. I was like, oh, well, that would explain my experience then because Android wasn't then what it is now. Right. Yeah, it's so, very different. I could give it another try, but I have so much buy in on iOS now that it's like now. Yeah, it's every once in a while I think, oh, I should get like a tablet or, you know, an inexpensive phone um, and and try it out and play with it and um, and that kind of thing. And then it's just like, but but why? Like (laughs) I'm in this Apple silo where everything is, you know, I get my messages on my computer and my phone. And that's fantastic. I just um that inertia is really hard to get over, even for like an auxiliary play with it sometimes device, you know? Yeah, I did that 
Um, Because they had a deal where Amazon was selling basically unlocked um, Windows mobile phones. So I got this Nokia something or other and as a toy and I, I've done nothing (laughs) with it. And it's also true that there isn't a whole lot to do with it. I'm sorry, Windows phone users. It's just, there just aren't. Yeah. There's just no there there. Yeah. I was really, really excited to see where Windows phone would go and it's just kind of floundered. The operating system is so good. The UI is so nice. That's what I've heard. But there's nothing to do. Like I was looking for games and I'm like, okay, so these are the bad games that I already don't want to play on iOS. Mm-hmm. And then there's this one Monty Python game um, uh, based on the Ministry of Silly Walks, mm-hmm. which is kind of good, but that's like the only thing. And that's on iOS too. Yeah. yeah. So I really, I, it's in a drawer right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I haven't really played with it since I bought it. And even that was pretty limited. And it, I, I don't know. And if you're at all interested in gaming, iOS is really the place to be. Sorry, Android. It's but true, it's, though. it's true. Yeah. It's, um, it's just so much. Well, one, I think it's it's shiny, right, in a way yeah. that Android isn't. And with, you know, uh, talking to Brianna Wu about, you know, um, doing stuff for Android and she's like, it's um, and I don't want to like try to quote her, but but my understanding from talking to her is that it's it's not necessarily harder, but it's just really different. Mm. And so I think that um I think that as as a developer, um, you know, there are different mindsets and there are different conventions. And that's something that um, that is interesting to see with um, like the apps like Apple Music on Android. Like, are they pretty funny? Yeah. And are they respecting Android's conventions or are they trying to throw their own in there? And, you know, like Google Docs on iOS is an absolute mess because none of it makes sense to me as an iOS user. And um, I don't know. It's just really, really interesting. Yeah. Interesting is a good word to use (laughs) for Google Docs on iOS. Like I figured out how to do things, but that's only because I'm really good at figuring things out, not because it's at all logical. I don't know. Maybe it makes sense to Android users or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, Um, I don't know either. Well, and when I'm using Google Docs, it's for work. I don't do anything personal in there. So it's like, okay, I have, I have, I got an iPad Pro because I'm like, I can actually work from this iPad and that's amazing. And so, um, you know, and I'm looking at and trying to do stuff in Google Docs and I'm like, I can't get anything (laughs) done on this. So I end up coming back to my computer when I have to do those just because it's just, it's awful. That's unfortunate. It's awful. Yeah. Work on that, Google. Yes, please, Google. Especially for the iPad Pro. I mean, that should be like a pretty hardcore getting things done device. And if Google is standing in the way of that with their strange implementation of a word processing app, is is Pages any better? Um, I don't use it. (laughs) Yeah, that's sort of what everybody thinks about pages too. Yeah. I, um, so I am on Mac. I am a pages wizard. Like I, I can do amazing things in pages for Mac. It got worse though. It got with the, I call it new pages. Um, so pages yeah. 2009 was amazing. And I am, 
I want to write a blog post about this, but I always say that and then I never write a blog post. <laughs> um, pages 2009, I was creating professional forms used by health insurance companies across the country in pages. And now um, I've been hired to do the same thing for a local company. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to have to use InDesign to do this. I need to, Ew. I need to learn InDesign Awful. because pages has in their quest for simplicity has removed so many of the things that made it great for people like me. Um, and I, I just, I haven't even launched it on iOS in oh years, <laughs> years. Yeah. That was a real disappointment. Cause the same thing kind of happened in numbers. Like uh, I, yep. I used to use numbers in preference to Excel because it was just so much nicer and it had a lot of the same functionality with formulas and stuff, but then they removed a lot of that. And I'm like, oh damn, this isn't useful anymore. So I had to go back to Excel and office has gotten better. Microsoft office, um, in the looks department. And I've gotten a little bit more used to the ribbon. Although I was one mm. of those people and I still am to some extent that hates the ribbon that just, cause I knew where everything was. I was super good at Microsoft Word, which is a stupid, stupid thing to say, but it's true. No, like, like <laughs> that's legitimately a skill in, in a talent that you work for. Like it is true that a lot of people, like everybody knows Microsoft Word, but then you see people like hand creating their tables of contents and stuff. And I'm like, let me introduce you to the outline view. We will set your heading levels and then your your table of contents will be made automatically and it will be amazing. And it will be correct all of the time, unlike right now. Right. Where it, you forgot uh, to update it. Yeah. As the website person, I would get a lot of Word documents from people and it was always infuriating. Like, why don't you people know how to use Microsoft Word? It's your job. So how old were the people using it? Pretty old, usually. Yeah. Unfortunately. And it's the stereotype, but uh, they haven't kept up. Well, and so so here's is former IT coordinator, I was teaching people that copy and paste was a thing that existed. Oh my God. I know. Isn't and, that crazy? Right. You know? And so, and now it's, you know, I haven't even been at that job for almost two years now. And I worked there for, I don't know, six or seven. So people I worked with at the very beginning, almost a decade ago, mm -hmm. like sometimes I'll run into them at Costco or, you know, we run in, um, we have, um, similar jobs. So I'll see them like at, at uh, local conferences or whatever. And, um, and they will come up to me and they'll be like, yeah, I still use copy and paste <laughs> every day. And you wow. taught me how to do that because I'd walk in and they'd have a dual monitor set up and they'd have like an email in one, on one window or one screen and word in another. And they were transcribing things. And I'm like, oh why God. are you doing that? And so I think, and I think, you know, so I graduated from high school in 2001. Um, we didn't have very good computers in my school and Word was not super powerful, but I think it was still able to do table of contents and that kind of thing. But we yeah. weren't really taught how to do that. And I think people don't, unless they have to, or unless they're curious, like, you know, like you are, you're like, there's right. gotta be a better way to do this. I'm <laughs> going to figure that out. Yeah. I just don't think people do. They just keep doing the same things that they've been doing. 
That is one of my other like if I if I ever write a book, <laughs> which I never will, about my life lessons. One of them is when you think to yourself, God, there's got to, this seems like way too much work. There must be a better way. Often there is, and you should probably research it. Like, uh, and that comes up in programming too. Like mm-hmm. maybe there's some kind of loop. Like maybe you should use a switch statement instead of a thousand ifs. And oh my God, once I was editing some JavaScript that. Uh, the person didn't know about else if. Oh, no. So it was there. were Oh, my God. There were like 30 ending curly braces at the end of all of the logic. And I was like, oh, no, no, <laughs> it was bad. Well, and if you're doing that, there's a condition that you're forgetting. Like you're, you're not you're probably not going to catch it all. And <sighs> then things are going to break. And it must have been such an enormous amount of work. And I was like, let's make this about 30 (laughs) lines shorter. Goodbye. I love deleting code. It's my favorite thing. Okay, so so the best one of the best lines I heard was at WWDC this year. um, I was in an educator session um, and one of the educators or he developed a curriculum for uh, for Swift for high schoolers. And he was like, I tell them all the time, the best code, the only bug free code that exists is the code you don't write. And I was like, yes, I don't know. I've made some pretty damn bug free. (laughs) Hello worlds in my day. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. Deleting code is awesome. It is. And it's it's sometimes and I've seen this a lot, um, especially with CSS, is that people try to fix things by adding more when what they really need to do is go back and delete and then rebuild. And that's harder. And I understand that it takes longer because you, first of all, you have to figure out why it's going wrong and then fix it. But the the end result is so much better and so much buggier and you should always keep it simple. Yeah. And, and future you will be much happier. Oh yes. Definitely. Try to figure out what, what's going on. Right. So when when you have like in CSS, when you have like an element and you're like, why is this like this? And you look at it and there's like 30 overridden definitions for that element. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you might be tempted to just add more to the trash pile, <laughs> which is what in fact, we're oh, it's so good at work right now. I just finished up. Um, well, I'm just finishing up this project to completely refactor the CSS that went into the application. And it's so great because the first thing we did was like, OK, let's burn it all down. Let's start with a fresh copy of Bootstrap and then just re-add the things, only the things that we need as we find that we need them. And it's so good. And we were so lucky to be given the time to do that because our CSS was a trash pile. And that's basically how I sold this project of refactoring it. Like this is this is a trash pile and I'm making it worse. I'm adding more trash to the trash pile and it's going to fall down someday. And then we will all cry because this work needs <laughs> to be done anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So my boss was able to sell it to the big bosses and we, we were able to have the time to do it. And it's, it was, it was kind of, it was hard. It was really hard sometimes. It's like, cause certain like and in an application with a lot of JavaScript and a lot of like plugins, they all have their own CSS and it can be really, really opaque, like what's going on and how specific you need to get anyway. That's we're getting into deep nerd territory, <laughs> but it was hard, but rewarding. 
good. I'm glad you were able to do that. And I'm glad that you have that respect. I know like in the past, past, past jobs, I've done stuff like that. And they're like, well, you've just got to, you just got to make what we have work. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but you're borrowing time. Like why not? Uh, yeah. You, this will bite you in the butt later mm-hmm. down the ra- down the line. And I'm lucky that, especially given that I sound like what I sound like, that people, I'm still able to convince people that I'm correct, <laughs> that, that I'm saying legitimate, that I can say enough smart things to be persuasive. That's also a skill that you have to develop, especially as a woman. Like I used to have to pull this kind of crap to get like a Dell fixed. I'd be like, I need a hard drive. But you can't just tell the Dell tech support person to send you a hard drive because first they want you to reboot it and do all this stupid Mm. stuff. So I got in the habit of just like barraging them with information to the point that they didn't question me anymore. That must be nice. Because (laughs) guys don't have to do that. Right. So in that sense, it was not nice. Yeah. I have a, I had a 15 inch MacBook pro that kept, um, re no, it, it kept shutting down, um, when it was on battery power and that was fine. It was like, okay, if I do anything important, I'll make sure I'm plugged in until I was plugged in. And it shut down in the middle of recording a podcast one day. And then I was like, yeah, this is not going to fly. And so I took it in to the to the Apple store and I'm like, look, this is what what's been done. You know, I've I've reset the the SMC. I've done, you know, this I've done that. I've done the other thing. And it was like the guy wasn't even listening to me. Mm. And he was like when he was making the report, you know, to to check it in, he got details wrong. And then he like would ask questions um, of my husband and Justin was like, this is her computer. These are the things that she has done. And it, I mean, it was a, it was a bad experience. Like I am so like, like Brianna Wu had a story just like that Mm -hmm. recently where they were talking to Frank and I'm like, how I Luckily, it's it's just turned out that I always go alone when I need to get my computer service and I can play the I used to work for Apple card because mm. it's true. I did for like a month, but they don't need to know that <laughs> I was an Apple care associate. So then that gets me like bumped up a little in the respect department. But that is such BS. Like, oh, I don't I would. I don't know what I would do if I were there with my husband and people started asking him questions instead of me. I you know, honestly, what I would probably do is rage cry because I do that. I do that, too. I hate that. I do it too. sucks so bad because that's no way to make people respect you. Right. They, and it's so, oh, I wish I could. If, if I could change one. Well, it might not be that if I could change one thing about me. <laughs> like three, maybe. Right. Yeah. It's definitely on the list because it's it's so awful when you're furious and it makes you cry because like. The one thing the one thing I do have working for me, though, is that I have the um, I guess the look I have that the look. Oh, nice. That makes people really, really afraid. And (laughs) um, I'm able to modulate my voice really well so I can I can make it sound like I can sound really, really hard and really, really mean. Um, 
and people don't believe me, but I'm a, I'm a lot meaner than my husband is. <laughs> he looks more intimidating than I do, but I am actually the mean one in this relationship. And so, um, like, I do have that working for me, but it all goes to hell when I start crying. Like, yeah, ugh. I wish that weren't a thing. Like, I wish that because that and that this is something that I've heard, like a lot of women have that. And I wish that it weren't such an automatic, like, oh, okay, this person is just being, you know, hysterical. Right. Like when, when you rage cry, it's like, no, actually you objectively are being a massive jerk and you need to stop being a jerk so that we can actually get something done. But yep. I don't, I don't know how to fix that. And that I was talking to one of my coworkers about it and his wife does that too. And he's like, yeah, at that point I step in and make things. And I'm like, i don't always have somebody there (laughs) to step in for me. And it's, I think what I really need to do is to intervene before I get to the point of rage crying. But that's another one of my problems is that I will put up with things. I will tolerate and I'm a very patient person, but then I get to a point where it's just like, it falls off a cliff. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, there's a hard limit to my patience. And then it's like full, like fiery rage, fury time. Mm -hmm. And that's not, great (laughs) yeah I'm getting better about about because I wouldn't recognize that in myself like I I didn't know what my internal cues were for approaching that Mm. and as I'm like consciously try to pay attention um and I think probably getting older Mm. plays into it too um I'm able to start at least like at home with my husband like because he he likes to to pick we do Mm. I do it to him too like we pick on each other until it's like okay this needs to end and so it's like okay I'm starting to get grumpy like (laughs) it's time to back off and um but that's a lot harder to do in in like retail situations too where where they're like all right husband of this person what's going on like okay dude I'm starting to get grumpy you need to you need to acknowledge my existence um I wonder how much the crying thing is socialization that that it's okay for for boys to show anger, but it's not okay for girls to show anger. I don't know. Do guys show anger by crying ever? I don't I don't know, but like it's okay for for boys to yell in the classroom and run around. Yeah, that's and it's, true. it's not okay for girls to do. Um so I wonder how much is that? I don't know. Not none. Yeah. <laughs> We've failed to fix sexism in the course of this podcast. God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was counting on you. I know. I'm so sorry. I try. I try. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. Um. So before we go, let's talk about Inconsolable just a little bit, because I know that you are recording your Game of the Year episode soon. Yes. Um, so I wanted to make sure to give that a plug so that people, I think that our intersection of listeners is probably... Um, not a perfect circle, but I think it's probably <laughs> yeah. fairly circular. Um, yeah. <laughs> but if anyone's not listening and you're interested in mobile gaming, Anna and Jessica going to talk about the best games of this year for, for mobile. Yep. In our opinions, of course. Cause Which are I, infallible and correct. Um, I mean, yes. We're never, <laughs> our game of the year is definitely going to be a good game. It may not be your game of the year, but it. I guarantee you it will be a solid effort. Um, it's, it's so hard and we, this is, we didn't do a game of the year show last year and I'm sort of filled with joy because Anna wants to us to come to like a consensus <laughs> um, oh. and I'm like, no, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that goes tomorrow. But, um, we, and we have multiple categories. So depending what kind of games you like and, 
uh, I don't know there. So we'll, we'll definitely tell you about a lot of really good games, some of which you may never have heard of because Apple is discoverability is a real problem in the app store, which we've talked about at length on Unconsolable. So hopefully you may be introduced to something that you are wholly unaware of. Um, but yeah, we're recording that it will come out. Uh, let's see. So we're recording it on the 25th and it will come out on the next Wednesday, which will be so that is the 30th, 30th. Yeah, that's right. So December 30th will be uh, technically December 29th, kind of late at night. But yeah, so on the 30th will be the unconsolable mobile game of the year. Um ceremony no episode <laughs> you can make it a ceremony you could send little trophies we to thought the about that in fact i'm i'm gonna get some stickers made but we're currently in the process of redoing our cover art because at the time i love my cover art so much it's so beautiful um it was designed by evan Becero, so hi evan it's pretty cute um, yeah but in in it i'm holding my 3ds which i haven't picked up in months <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and anna is using her macbook pro which is actually my old macbook pro um which she doesn't really game on so we're having it changed so that we're both holding phones but it's a process to redesign things so uh, once that's done i will have stickers and i will give them to people that's awesome yeah i love stickers do you have stickers for less than or equal or just yeah. in general oh, yeah i do have stickers you yeah just send me a sticker okay i can <laughs> send, so i actually have um i have the i don't have any with the new artwork so when i joined relay um mike and steven were like we really really love your artwork we promise we're not going to change it too much <laughs> but we're going to change it <laughs> right so um so they they and so my husband justin because he does everything but talk to the people on the podcast <laughs> um, um, and set up the interviews. He was like, uh, he created the old logo. And so we were like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And so Mike and Steven sent it to Kyle, who's done all of their artwork. And um, Kyle just basically he tweaked the angles a little bit because they had a grid for, you know, right. so that there would be similarity um, in branding. And so he kind of tweaked some angles to make it fit in the grid. And he took um, the top layer of the logo, um, which is uh, used to be kind of like a transparent looking thing. And he made it like a frosted glass. And I'm like, oh, it's so pretty. Yeah. Um, so so there are Relay branded stickers available on the Relay store. I don't have any of those yet, but I'm planning on um, seeing if I can get that file and order some. And then I have the old ones with the old style uh, artwork that says... Um, that has the LTOE.net address on it. So <laughs> I can send you, once I get them, I can send you um, some of each if you want. Yeah. That would be awesome. Because yeah. I, you know, I have some open space on the back of my laptop and that's just, it's only an 11 inch MacBook Air. It should be completely covered in stickers by now. That's not. That, that should be girl. Yeah, I can definitely do that. Sweet. Stickers. It's yes. the currency of podcasts. It really is. I um as we're talking, I have one for material podcast sitting in front of me and one for oh, clockwise. I need to get the material one. Um because I've been on clockwise a couple times, so I bought that one and then I have the pen addict podcast one. <laughs> <laughs> um Brad Dowdy sent me some goodies and yeah, the problem with stickers is that like um they become very precious to me and I'm like, that's true. I, I have, have that. to go on something really special, something permanent, right? <laughs> I'm never going to get rid of it. And that's not how stickers work. <laughs> I know the relay ones are really good though. They so. are Kyle's, um, 
Kyle has done a, an excellent job with their branding. I'm really plus I like just them. the stickers themselves, like the quality of the sticker mule. Of- yeah, yeah, that's that's who I'm going to use mostly mm-hmm. because Anna, um, I have a Crossy Road sticker because we're special mm-hmm. uh, and we're friends with um, Matt Hall and Andy Sum, who are hipster whale. And they sent us um, stuffed chickens, uh, which were limited run. Ha ha ha. We have them. You don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the sticker. And I'm like, wow, this Crossy Road sticker is really nice. So Anna asked Matt, like, who did their stickers? And it was Sticker Mule. I'm like, OK. Yep. That's who did my original run of stickers, too. So. They're good stuff. Yeah. Stickers. Stickers. (laughs) And if you, dear listeners, would like a less than or equal sticker, you can go to relay.fm and find the store. I don't have the link. I can put a link to it and get a a less than or equal sticker for $2. So, yeah. Well, we're at about an hour. Is there anything else you wanted to talk talk about today? We've talked about so many things. I know. It always works out that way. I never know where these things are going to go. Yeah. Neither do I. And that's what makes it fun, I think. So, Jessica, where can people find you online? Lots of places. Um, First of all, you can find uh, our podcast, Unconsolable, at unconsolable.com. You can find my other podcast, Totally Uncool, at uh, esn.fm slash uncool. Uh, I actually have a third podcast because I really love the sound of my voice. No, I don't. Um, But luckily, I don't have to edit that one called uh, Ruffled Feathers, which has a really long URL, which Aline will put in the show notes (laughs) because it's uh, it's ruffledfeathers.joemakarowski.com. He's my co-host and that's his Polish names are not the easiest to spell. Um, but that, that one's uh, about like things that make us cranky with an extremely liberal bent to them. Um, I actually, I think the, probably the best podcast I have ever recorded was the one, the ruffled feathers, uh, episode physician assisted suicide, um, which we recorded before the vote in California to legalize that. And I will just listen to the episode cause I can't go into it. I, I can't, I can't go into it again. Um, I have strong feelings. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Jessica Dennis because I am the original Jessica Dennis on Twitter. Oh, yeah. And I always forget this one, but I actually run another website with my husband called Idle Analytics, where we use, um, well, he uses R and statistical analysis to try to predict results on American Idol, which we started several years ago. Um, If you Google uh, American Idol predictions were actually one of the top results because I'm pretty good at SEO and we've been at it a while. So that's um, another place you can find me is idleanalytics.com. So you're basically everywhere. <laughs> you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, you can go to relay.fm slash LTOE and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, it'd be great if you'd leave a review on iTunes or even just a star rating or just tell your friends about the show. Thanks for listening. Until next time on an internet near you. I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal.